X-ray. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful, but here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your host, Lillian Kerbeck. Let's talk about money. Let's talk about money. Let's talk about graphs. What's oh, yes. And this on is, your screen? This is our producer, Will Romy, <laughs> who we're trying to introduce in the beginning of episodes now. Here I am. So I publish my expense report of everything I've spent every month on my website um, just because I, I like transparency and I really like graphs. And uh, Will and I were talking about how I stopped drinking alcohol a couple months ago, and it has been kind of phenomenal uh, effect on my budget. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I why I quit drinking alcohol was just kind of a, pure mode of experimentation but a lot of it was driven by uh starting a business right now and i wanted to cut expenses and it seemed like the easiest thing to cut like the most discretionary thing in my budget mm-hmm. other than my health club membership my fitness club membership which i think maybe cutting is a bad idea when i'm in a stressful phase of business seems yeah, like cutting it's... out alcohol and keeping my health membership was a better idea it'd be a hard pitch to go the other way um so I'm looking I'm looking at um, what's easily viewable is I've been tracking all this data for a long time, but what's easily viewable is the past two years. And in the past two years, I've spent one thousand six hundred and ninety two dollars and forty two cents on uh, bars or alcohol for home. Okay, um, so all 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 alcohol total. Yeah, sometimes for bars, things like club soda might end up mm-hmm. in there. So occasionally there's some bar spending, but this doesn't include any food at bars. So this is just just beverages at bars. Um, so that averages out to about $70 a month over the past two years, which is, I don't know, like for some people that might seem like not crazy for an urban young person who, you know, has a lot of meetings at bars for some people that might seem outrageous. Um, you know, I can emphasize that if I was to invest $70 a month in my twenties in, uh, a index fund, then at retirement, I'd have half a million dollars. So, well, yeah. <laughs> not every dollar you bring in is meant to be saved, though, right? So, right, right. Um, but yeah, so I, it's been like four months where I haven't been drinking alcohol at all. And there's been lots of just general benefits in my life I found from doing it. But um, there's been, uh, over the past couple months, you can just see the sharp... We'll, we'll throw this up in the show notes, but you can just see how much it's just completely tapered down. It's a sharp decline. Um, it's like a fierce ski slope. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think I would want I would want to do that on a hill. No, skiing. certainly a black diamond. <laughs> Looking back at this data, I, I think it's kind of funny to see the months that just totally spiked. Um, one of them was August 2015. It was like 90 to 100 degrees for like two weeks straight in Portland mm, that mm-hmm. month. And I ended up going out. I didn't have air conditioning in my house. And I was going out to the bar almost every night, not really to drink so much as just to go somewhere with air conditioning. To bask in the cool. I yeah. did also live three blocks from a very dark air-conditioned bar that also had um, booze slushies, which <laughs> when it was like 105 degrees, was pretty appealing. Um, so that was a huge spike. I spent like $192 a month on um, alcohol. 
And then another month I was traveling. I was traveling extensively. So I ended up just, you mm-hmm. know, going out to bars while I was on a work trip. Well, it's always interesting seeing all those numbers in front of you. And then, you know, what is it about hindsight? It's got good vision. Uh. <laughs> anyway, we we just thought it would be kind of fascinating. Um, so I will link in the show notes uh, to these two graphs for the past two years. And uh, I will also link to my expense report. Mm-hmm, so every mm-hmm. month I publish an expense report on my website. Last week, Lola wrote in, and she was concerned about her college debt. Um, is there anything someone who's got a bad credit already can do to sort of raise those points and have that impact them less? Yeah. You know, I've talked before about how credit score shouldn't be how you measure your financial worth. But that being said, there are reasons why you might want to have a good credit score. Um, I actually was on a, a fellow podcast called Bad With Money this week, and I talked about kind of the systemic discrimination that was initially around in lending and how credit scores were supposed to improve that. But I didn't really get a dive into just the mechanics of like, if you want to raise your credit score, how do you do it? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple different ways. So in Lola's case, she has a high amount of debt. And the best way that she's going to improve her credit score is to pay off that debt. But remember, the, the credit score is all about your risk to lenders. So you need to do things that they will reward as seeing you as being a better risk. So the most important thing for your credit score, of course, is that you pay on time every time. Late payments can make your credit score, just one late payment can make your credit score drop 90 to 150 points. And this is out of a total of what, seven? 750 or 850, depending on the score. Okay, so that's a loss of almost 25%. It's huge. So essentially below 620 is considered a bad credit score, generally. Mm -hmm. Above 620 is kind of a medium credit score, once you get above 720, you're in the good range. And once you get above 760 or 780, depending on the scale, you're in the excellent range. It's not super important to worry about these ranges unless you're in a situation where you're going to be looking for to get debt extended to you. So if you want to open a new credit card, right. if you want to get a mortgage. But what's also important about credit scores is that your credit report and your credit score can be used to evaluate you for jobs. And it can also be used to decide if you can get like a contract smartphone mm-hmm, um, or apartments they've seen and call for credit scores. the big one in portland of course is with our rental market even if you don't want to buy a house your credit score gets checked all the time when it comes to renting and so that's why for me even though i don't intend to take out any debt i make sure that i maintain a credit score that's decent so because i'm a renter and right, this like- is a really competitive rental market So there's a couple different things you can do. First and most important is pay on time every time. Even just one late payment will take you about a year to recover from. Mm -hmm. Don't freak out if you've had a late payment. It can recover in about a year. You can also call if you've had one late payment and otherwise you've been a great customer and you've never been off and it was just like, oh, crap, I switched bank accounts and the auto pay wasn't on, you know, whatever. You can call and ask them to remove that with a goodwill removal. So so sort of like a, a, an honorable discharge? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Essentially, it's it's saying, hey, I've been a good customer. I have a good relationship with you. There was extenuating circumstances that led to this. Would you be able to remove this ding? If they don't do that, that's okay. You have more negotiating power if you've been a good customer. If you have late payments all over the place and you haven't been consistent, you're not going to have a lot of negotiating power. The only way you're going to have negotiating power is, say, you haven't been a great customer, but suddenly you came into some money, you got a tax return, and you want to pay down that debt. 
you might be able to pay that completely off, call in and do it and negotiate with them for, hey, I'm going to pay you completely. Will you remove one of these charge offs or something like that? Okay, yeah. So working with them as a company. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, you know, one of the things I like to remind people is that these are very unglamorous jobs working in these uh, call centers for credit card companies. Mm-hmm. Let's let's say specifically credit cards, but this also applies to student loans. You can you can hang up and call back. If you don't get what you want, you can call back again and try to get someone else. So there are you have some ability to just keep keep asking. You can also request things in writing if the phone doesn't work out for you. Just know that you can negotiate to kind of improve things. If you are relatively new, like if you just open your first credit card and otherwise have never had any debt, you're not going to have a super great credit score because they don't know a lot about you, right? right. So Does it start at a specific number? It starts in the 300s, but um, it, it'll go up very quickly if you do nothing wrong in the beginning. So it's better to have a zero credit score than it is to have a 300 credit score because if you have a zero credit score, that means we have no credit history on you whatsoever. Oh. I don't necessarily recommend doing that because it can affect things like apartments and stuff to not have any credit history. However, if you if you close all of your accounts, like actually close them, not just pay off the cards, but you mm-hmm. call them and you close them, eventually your credit score will drop to zero instead of drop. At first, it will drop down. And it'll get worse and worse. And you'll be like, oh, it's in the 500s. It's not looking good. It's in the 400s. Um, because they don't like it when you close all your accounts. But then zero, just your your eventually you're a, it'll a zero out. Man in the dark. Yeah, exactly. You as you're what we call credit invisible. Ooh. <laughs> and a lot of people are credit invisible because they don't have access to things like credit cards or traditional forms of credit. One of the things that you can do if you're just trying to build it up, first thing, never close your oldest card. So length your average age of credit, the length of the the amount of history that you have with the lender is Mm -hmm. one of the biggest factors. So if you got a card, you know, my first card was like issued by my bank. It had like a $250 credit limit. I mean, it was just like, it was a starter. Hey, you've had a checking account with us since you were like 12 years old. (laughs) Here's a, here's a credit card. I mean, you couldn't really do a lot with it, but I had it. I put some things on auto pay. I, I, I paid it off every month. That card is still as a relatively low credit limit, but I keep it open because I've had it open at this point for like 12 years. So it raises my average age of accounts quite a lot. Oh, okay. So if you open a new card, your average age of accounts will drop, right? This also applies. I'm not saying don't pay off your student loans if they're your oldest student loans. Just to emphasize, uh, I'm not saying that because they will continue your loans. Yeah, they'll accumulate interest. And- yeah, not only will they accumulate interest, but your loans actually will continue to age even after you pay them off for seven years. So they'll continue to age on your account. Huh. Um, so that's that's a helpful part about student loans. Another thing to know is that you should always prioritize car payments or mortgages ahead of credit cards. And this isn't classic if you're going to pay one of them late, I should say. You should really prioritize paying them all on time, yeah. every time. Mortgages and car payments, one late payment on those will affect your credit score way worse. Huh. 
No, that's that's kind of surprising advice uh, to me because I I've always heard that credit card interest is way higher. It is so way when, higher. Yes. But, but so 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 that would be the option to make if we were focusing on improving credit score over maximizing. If well, okay, let's say if you're at the point where you're going to be making a late payment on one of those cards, mm-hmm. then you're probably not focusing on improving your credit score, right? <laughs> you're trying to yeah. staunch the loss. Okay, um, okay, that's true. Um, your credit score is still going to drop like 90 points if you make a late payment on your credit card. Okay, but this is this is harm reduction. Yeah, not... this is harm reduction. If you are if you are freaking out and you're in panic, remember you can also work with your lenders. So if you know ahead of time that you're not going to be able to make your minimum payment on your credit card, you can mm-hmm. call them up. You can ask for an extension. You can ask for a grace period. The other thing to know is that the later the payment, the worse off you are. They continue to age on your account late payments do. So a 30-day late payment that happened two years ago affects your credit score way less than a 90-day late payment that happened last month. So if you're one of those people that like, oh, crap, it was really frustrating and I'm really embarrassed that I did a late payment. I was just like a screw up. And then you kind of ignore it and you don't deal with it. It's it's making things worse. A 90-day late payment is considered way worse than a 30-day late payment. Okay. The other thing to know is that within a couple days of a late payment, you're often still within a grace period where it hasn't been reported to the credit bureaus yet. Hmm. So even if it's late, still just get it in. Yeah, just get it in as soon as you possibly can. Pay as close to on time as possible. Ideally, you should pay on time every single time. For for credit cards, too, it's important to note that I never recommend paying the minimum payment. But if you are really in a panic situation, often your minimum payment, if you've been otherwise a good customer, is like $10. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're going to accrue interest. If you've got a lot of money on that card, it, it could really hurt you. But if you are trying to make sure that you don't harm your credit score... You know, you can make that minimum payment and then go back. And gotcha. Pay off the the minimum, the not paying the minimum payment is what would bring your score down. Exactly. Okay. Yep. I understand. You have to make a payment of some sort, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, if you do have a lot of student loans and you're struggling with a bad credit score because it's the only thing on there for you, it will take time. You know, to keep paying on those student loans, keep making payments. The good news is you've got a large account that as long as you pay on it on time every month, you're going to continue to have this history Mm -hmm. of being a good credit risk. I would recommend when you feel comfortable with it, you can check out um, creditkarma.com will predict if you qualify for various types of cards. Look for a card that has no annual fee if you don't have a card yet. Open up a card as long as you feel like you can handle it. Just set something on auto pay, pay it off every month having that extra type of credit in addition to your student loans if you've got a lot of student loan debt will help your credit score over time remember credit score is not a trophy you put on your shelf and you win it's not super duper important unless you want to apply for more debt so don't stress out about your credit score unless you're in a situation where you maybe want to buy a house Hmm. sweet the end (laughs) the end and what so what's the moral the biggest moral of the story the number one thing you need to do to improve your credit score got to pay on time every time there we go it's that simple guys that wraps our show for today our producer is will Romy. our intro music is by aaron parecki and i'm lillian Kerbake, your personal finance educator and host thanks for listening until next time remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you lillian what's that graph
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.